Well, I'm glad that you have chosen to meet with us this morning. And my prayer is that you will find these studies in Joshua helpful for your walk in the Lord. Today we're looking at Joshua chapter 2. And uh, you can relax. I've only got five points and a summary and then an application. Actually, it should go fairly quick. Let's read together. And I would encourage you to have your Bibles out and to read with us. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent away men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax there she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you, For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother, my brother and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that we have made, that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, 
Then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them and said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into your hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melted away because of us. So first of all, we have the commission, verses 1 through 7. Joshua commissions these two men to go into the land, and uh, that surprises me. Because you recall 40 years earlier, they had been at Kadesh, and there Moses sent 12 spies into the land. And when they returned, it discouraged the people so much that they refused to go. And this brought about then that 40 years of wilderness wanderings. But in spite of that failure of that first use of spies, Joshua determines to send two spies this time into the Jericho region. And then, to me, a very interesting thing. He has commissioned them to spy out the land and including with that the city of Jericho. But as the record here has it, we see these men apparently just going directly to Jericho and are probably there only a few hours. For immediately almost, it appears that they're found out by the king's men and their presence there is reported to the king and they are sought. But also in this short interval of time, or seemingly short interval of time, they come in contact with Rahab. Now, most of the commentators go to great lengths to protect these men's uh, virtue by saying that uh, Rahab's house was probably an inn, and uh, that's why they, it says that they went there to lodge or to stay. And so apparently they were looking for a place to maybe hide out, to, to stay, get off the street. I don't know. Uh, if I was writing the story, I'd have them mingling about and being observed and talking to people and maybe hearing Rahab with a conversation in the marketplace saying, we ought to surrender to these Israelites, otherwise we'll all die. I don't know. But anyway, very short, they, they come into the city and go right away to Rahab's house. And Rahab apparently gets word of the fact that they have been discovered, that they are known to be spies in the city. And so she hides them up on the roof underneath some flax stalks. Just an interesting fun fact, flax is these, these flax stalks, the fibers in them, are used to make linen. And this is just the way my mind works. The fact is it didn't work, doesn't work. It would never occur to me to say to all this pile of flax stock we have after harvesting for the seeds, 
What can I do with those? I know I can make some cloth. If it was up to me, we'd still be wearing animal skins. So Rahab looks after them, hides them from the king's men. And uh, when when the king's men come, she tells them, yes, those men did come. I didn't know who they were. But when it was about time for the gates to be shut, they left. If you'll go out after them, I'm sure you'll catch them. And that's what they do. Now, again, you would think that these guys would say, well, okay, we'll, we will do that, but let us search your house first. But they don't. The, the misdirection works, and they leave. And then we come, what I believe is to the real heart of this whole chapter, and that is the confession. Rahab confesses that the Lord is God. And she bases her coming to this upon what she has heard about him, about the wonderful and miraculous things he has done for the Israelites. And because of all he's done, she says, this is the one true God. Now, the other thing about this is, apparently, the whole city had heard these same things. And instead of recognizing God as God, they, they are become fearful of the Israelites, and their hearts melt away. But she has the right response, and she turns to the Lord God. And then we have her request that her and her family are to be spared. And these spies agree to that. And again, this one, this seems odd to me as well. Because in Numbers 21 and Deuteronomy 2 and 3, we read how the Israelites have treated the Amorites. They were destroyed. All of the inhabitants were destroyed. And so for them to agree to save Rahab and her family goes against all of that. But we see it, that is God's plan and that was what, being, what is being worked out here. And so they agree to her request to save her and her family alive. And so they comes to their escape, verses 15 through 22. Here they talk about their their agreement, and uh, they'll uh, honor their agreement, but she needs to put this signal on the window so that they know what house to spare. Because obviously, when the army is attacking, these guys aren't going to be the only ones attacking, so it needs to be a signal that everybody can see and recognize. And she lets them down through the window that's on the wall of this city. Uh, I think that uh, this shows that Rahab probably was a very wealthy person. Otherwise, how would she have a, 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 a house, a, an inn, on such a prominent place that it's actually in the wall, kind of above all of the confusion and odors and stuff of the city. But anyway, she lets them down through the window, and she tells them to go up into the hills and hide out, and after three days they'll be able to to come. And then we have the report. After three days, these guys do return to Joshua, And when we see the report, 
It really doesn't have any military intelligence in it. They don't tell him about the land. They don't tell him about how thick the Jericho uh, gates are or what they're made of or what the guards look like. They just tell them, hey, look, God has given us this place. (laughs) They're afraid of us. We are going to be victorious. It's a pretty simple report. It's an encouraging report, but again, it just strikes me that all through this, we see that these spies really are failures. <laughs> they don't spend any time really searching out the city. They, they go in and they leave, and they, they only have one thing to tell Joshua when they get back. Yeah, God has given this place to us. No sweat. All right, so why do we have this account I believe it is strictly to introduce us to Rahab. Because, as I've just said, their report doesn't really advance the strategy for the defeat of Jericho. And of course, as we'll see later, God has a completely different plan than what anybody would think would be normal to give to Joshua about it. He didn't really need to send the spies anyway. God had other ideas. But we needed to hear about Rahab because eventually she becomes a great-grandmother of David and, of course, of our Lord Jesus, the one true king. And it's because of her faith. She demonstrates faith in God. And it's this demonstration of faith that I think is especially important. She not only has faith... But she acts upon it. For you see, when she told the king, or the king's men rather, that the guys weren't there anymore, and the fact that she had hid them and was helping them to escape as well, had the king found out, both the spies and her would have been executed. So she put her life on the line because of her faith, her confidence in this one true God. And so that brings me to the application. And it's nice uh, that in James we have the, the, the interpretation that I'm bringing. James chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. James is saying that the result of true faith is evidenced by works. The evidence of true faith is works. And here in uh, Rahab's case, that works was protecting and helping God's people. And so I'm asking today, how is your faith demonstrated? How do people know that you have true faith? How are you proving, if you will, to God that you have true faith? For Israel, it was obedience to God's laws. Well, we have the words of our Lord to guide us. Mark 12, 30 through 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so our faith can be demonstrated by our love for God and our love for, the, for others, for our neighbors. And, of course, thinking back to what, James, what, what is written in James chapter 2, this love needs to be evidenced by some physical things, some actions, some works. And for each of us, I'm sure that these are different. There's all kinds of things that we can do. We can uh, go on mission trips. We can uh, bring food to, to one another, to, to those in uh, need, whether it's some kind of sickness or, or new birth or whatever. Um, just helps, helping one another to, to move or, or do a job, do a chore. Physical helps manifested out of our love for one another. But it goes on before, uh, be, uh, to everyone. In Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36, <clears throat> Jesus has some hard words for us. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. For if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. What I want us to see from this is that helping one another is, is well and good, but we need to help those that are outside of our community, of our family. We need to help all. We need to do good to all. And even to those that are our enemies, even to those that don't like us, and that is hard to do. But that's what Jesus has told us to do. That's what his command is. So our neighbor goes beyond those that we know and love. It's everyone. And as I view this idea of loving and helping our neighbor, it's those that we are in contact with. In other words, I don't necessarily have to seek out somebody to love or to help. It's those that are close and that I come in contact with. And that will be multitudes of people. But to love and show the same attitude toward those that love us 
and those that hate us. That's a hard task. And we're not going to be able to do it of our own wills, of our own accord. We're going to have to have the Holy Spirit to help us, to enable us to do these things. We need to rely upon him. And we need to be praying all the time. One of the, the things it says here is to pray for these people, but also to pray for ourselves that we will be sympathetic, that we will be willing, and that God would motivate us and God would help us and God would encourage us. Because it is discouraging when you try to show love to somebody who hates you and you don't get anything in return. But that's exactly what it says. What good is it if you do something inspecting return? You need to do it whether you get return or not. Continue to do well. So love covers it all. Love will enable us to show forth our faith by our works. Thank you.